Good morning all, this is Blonde Haired Girl. And it's that time again where Anchor puts a notification on my phone that I need to do another podcast. <laughs> I know I don't need to do one, but they do these little reminders. You have an audience of this many. You need to do another podcast. So I'm like, okay, I'll do another podcast. But what do I do a podcast on? Like, what would the people that are interested in my subject matter want to know? Or why would they be listening to my podcast? And I had talked in some of my YouTubes about, you know, and, and trying to send out a message, and in particular with my, with my YouTubes, I, I found that my subject matter was not the most popular, like, <laughs> it just seems like, like, kind of random things are a lot more popular um even smoky eyes <laughs> um there's a lot of other other topics that are m- m- more interesting to the greater population and so i wasn't entirely sure and i made you know this this idea that I only need a million <laughs> or you know it'd be nice if a million people were interested in in um what I have to say <laughs> um I was saying I made a joke about how it's only like um 10 percent of a million is only 10 percent of the population of Phoenix that's not very many with the you know the total population of the planet being like seven billion Anyway, <laughs> um, and sometimes I, I feel like, you know, just going and living a quiet life, <laughs> just quiet, you know, oh, and just being, I had shared over and over and I'm going to share again. Um, I had studied the works of David Hawkins, who wrote the book, power versus force and I studied I and I of the I for years um, and I studied enlightenment studied consciousness and and so I was I, I guess what you would say I was a philosopher a aspirant I was aspiring to reach a place in my own development and in all actuality it was really all that I wanted ever in this world was was (laughs) this wanting to be and serve God I mean 
not be God but serve God is what I was meaning. I I had a propensity for for these things from a very young age. Um, I was raised a Catholic, and I really loved the ritual, and I knew a lot about it innately, and I don't understand why. I, I still don't. There's so much that I still, I don't understand why. I, I actually do believe in reincarnation. I, I believe that it's not just, you know, this is it, and you die, you either go to heaven or hell. I, I don't believe in any of that. I don't. And so I, perhaps I, and I'm not entirely sure what all of my quote unquote lifetimes are, and I'm, I'm, don't even necessarily want to talk about it, but it was just sort of like this propensity for spiritual, I would call in specific Christian ideas, the ideas of Jesus, that I don't know exactly why, but, um, and it's not that I don't have respect and love for the world religions because I do um, I also studied um, read Thich Nhat Hanh I read and listened to a lot of what he had to say I absolutely adore him and in fact many times in my in my meditations I go and visit him <laughs> I go and visit him. Um, he is like just a master, and I just absolutely adore him. Anyway, um, but back to the subject matter of enlightenment, awakening, um, and I'm going to go to this idea once again, of, like what Jesus talked about, um, the kingdom of heaven. I, the the theme just keeps coming to me the king just the kingdom because it it never leaves us it never leaves us it, it's it's sort of like it's portrayed by religion especially christianity that is this future event that you live your life, you're here, you're tested. This is a big testing ground. This is like purgatory. Um, you're either good or bad, and you go to heaven when you pass from this body. And there was something about all of that that I just didn't quite understand and also just how incredibly fear-based it was I mean scare the scare everything out of you based on this fear of hell and so people behaving a certain way based on this fear of hell and and then I found it super interesting <laughs> And then you have like your the 
Bible churches, the fundamentalist churches that, you know, would say, that would say, um, you're, you're going to, to hell also if you don't believe the way their church believes because you are leaving God. You leave their church, you leave their idea, and you're leaving God. And so they have their own rules, their own doctrine, which they say is based on the Bible. Um, and I'm actually really in the process right now of not, of really just allowing people to just be wherever they are and honoring where they are in their belief system and I don't necessarily I don't want to change anyone I'm you know I'm it makes no difference to me what people believe um and so I mean because I was driving by a church and and where I live and over the years when I've even seen this church, I was like, it would really upset me because of how dogmatic this church was and fear-based. And I drove by it recently and I, 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 I was recontextualizing it and it works for a number of people. It works for a number of people. And so I'm, I'm, if it works for them, it works for them. But anyway, so getting back to to this idea of the kingdom of heaven as being just a state of being. Like like the kingdom of heaven enlightenment, awakening, they call it different things and different religions and the non-religious aspect like there's a there's a number of people who do not identify like with religion but they're spiritual but and even for me like the term spiritual just is so awkward (laughs) I don't really like to word use the word spiritual even because it's just so loaded it's there all of them are so loaded and they're all boxes they're all boxes it's all like fitting into a box and I I am not fitting into any box I don't fit in a box and so I wanted to talk about the kingdom and living in the kingdom and living in a state of mind that I believe is our our natural state. I think what we've been told about life, a lot about life, right or wrong, black, white, do this, don't do that, um, is, is not correct. But I would say, you know, like Jesus had said, um, to love others, as yourself to do unto others as you would have them do unto you and loving God with all your heart all your soul all your mind and all your strength those are the two commandments that's it 
and it's pretty easy to live like it's pretty easy to think about the things that we do and the actions that we take and how would we want to be treated how would we want to be treated in that situation it's not hard it's pretty easy to live you know okay I would like to be treated this way and do that and treat other people that way treat other people kindly and so I wanted to to talk a little bit about like how I came to which in all actuality I'm not entirely sure how I I I know that I studied enlightenment I didn't think I would ever reach it in this life I felt like it was it was really set up as this very elusive you know whatever that is that I I didn't think I would ever quote unquote reach enlightenment um, in this lifetime but I studied it I studied like consciousness and so I the first thing that I had to do in the quest in my quest for enlightenment and I'm just gonna use that word was I had to give up everything that I believed I had to I had to open my mind that maybe it's not the way I think it is and this is really really key it was in the beginning it was extremely frightening to give up these core beliefs because these core beliefs are fear-based like you can't have an original thought you have to stay with what the Bible says you have to stay with what your church says you have to stay with what your minister says you know you have to stay with what this textbook says these are the rules you have to fit in that box and for years years I can't even say how long I have been out of that box I've been studying and I've been thinking and contemplating for some reason my brain is just like that I love ideas I'm like a philosopher by nature and so I'm questioning I question everything And so I had to give up everything that that I had believed. And I had to also, in some ways, give up my beliefs about enlightenment itself. Because honestly, I would read David Hawkins' books and I would have no idea what he was saying. He was saying all these like really abstract things. And using terms like I used to have to have a dictionary by me to look up the words this was before Google and so I had to like look up words constantly I'm like what does that even mean you know it was you know and so I and I felt like it was for this really spiritual spiritual people like this you know little girl from Oklahoma like how am I 
with virtually no one on the same wavelength even then to like bounce ideas off of I mean like how how is this going to happen how is this going to happen and so what ended up what ended up happening was I had a real crisis I was in crisis I was in a pretty major crossroads in my life I well I had been studying enlightenment and I also had been living differently for some time I had been having these really strange reoccurrences of numbers um, I was having these strange things happening like like really odd seemingly coincidence however I had known in some elusive way that there was no such thing as coincidence um, and these kinds of things happened but didn't happen regularly where this you know being what I call at the right place at the right time we are always saying I was at the wrong place at the wrong time which is not true because if you were then the thing should not have happened and it happened and so for some reason we're always at the right place at the right time even when the seemingly seemingly bad thing happens so I was starting to understand this I was also starting to understand conceptually not necessarily um, understanding on an experiential level the now the nowness of everything I mean I had read Eckhart Tolle's book The Power of Now but I didn't understand the nowness of everything that there is it's not linear time but since we're very very young like when we're babies it's not like this but they teach us time we have calendars and so we get put into yet this box and we do need like time to a certain degree so that we can function in society we can all meet in an agreed upon time but it's an ever-present now it's all consecutive nows and so this makes me wonder um, about the idea of dimensionality as as maybe consecutive timelines that are happening all at the same time which is really freaky and I, I won't get into that right now <laughs> Um, and so I, I have this crisis I, I'm, you know so I'm already sort of living in this this different mindset but I have this crisis I go to bed in utter despair I'm just I'm in utter despair I, I'm really in a bad place and I wake up in the middle of the night surrounded I mean, it felt like I was actually levitating. 
I don't know that I actually was, but it felt like I was levitating in what I would perceive to be the love of God. I experienced the love of God so profoundly. And I could stay there. I could stay there for periods of time in that blissful state for periods of time. But what I found for myself was that I had to continue to function in society. Like to that point, which and I'm not saying it's an impossibility because I believe absolutely and but you know, money did not drop down from the sky for me. So I had to figure out how to continue to provide for my children. I was a single mom um, and I had bills. I mean, if I did not have my children, I conceivably could, you know, sell everything and, you know, go into the wilderness and... <laughs> <laughs> and just stay in a place of nirvana, you know. <laughs> but I I opted to not do that as a mother. I love my children so very dearly. And so I I stayed put. Um and what ended up happening was I sort of weaved in and out. I weaved in and out of that place of a place of bliss and I, I would call it in the beginning a place of bliss and then and then kind of hell it was like this bliss and hell I mean it was it was so dichotomous at the time um, and so I had to come to some equilibrium I had to I just had to um, and um It's something, so I sort of weave and I continue to, although I feel a lot more balanced now than I did did a year ago. And this happened a year ago in 2018, sometimes in May of 2018, late May, early June. Um, and what ended up happening at the time was just, being in this constant, pretty constant state of synchronicity and I had things coming at me like really, really at a continuous rate. And I, I talk about some of them in my book, Blonde Haired Girl, My Summer of Mystical Events that I published, self-published on Amazon. It felt really good to write that book, although I will say that there's going to be, you know, when people read it, it it's so far out. It's so far out of the norm that it's it seems fictional. You know, so so either I am completely crazy and pathological <laughs> or <laughs> or I have I have I am in, and I don't like the term reached, 
because it turns out that we don't reach this state. We don't reach it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's excavated and we realize that we already are. We realize that we already are that which we are seeking. It has been there all around us. It has been there all the time. It's not something that we reach. It's not something we achieve. It's something that we discover that we already are. And discovering that we already are aspects of the creator of everything. We are aspects of the creator of everything. There's no separation between God and man. And I use the term God. I know it's some people get offended by it, but you know, they say, oh, it's creator, it's the universe, whatever. I use the term God because it works for me. Um, I, I'm, I totally let people, I don't care what term people use. So, um, and so I'm sitting here and I'm <laughs> looking at my notes because I wanted to, I wanted to stay, um, I wanted to stay on topic. And so one of the things that's been coming up to me, you know, a year post, like mind blowing brain different event is that I'm, I'm starting to, it's sort of like that term, you know, peeling the layers of an onion. It's like, I'm, I understand things at a deeper level. And then I realize, I mean, it's even deeper than that, even deeper than that. I mean, it's like, there is no ending. There's no ending to the knowledge, to the knowingness, to the lovingness, to all of this. It just, what's coming to mind at the moment is a surrendering to it, a surrendering, a constant surrendering to it and allowing and allowing. Um, but one of the things is I've been wondering about Jesus and his time here on the planet. And if a lot of what he said, a lot of what he taught were based on his life experiences to that point. And so like I was thinking about the term because see earlier I had said about how I was living in heaven and hell. I was, I was in the like I was, well, and what's coming to mind right now is you could understand how, how, like, being in such a place of utter bliss, it would seem like hell when you weren't in that state. It would seem like it when, when, when you weren't in that state, but Quite frankly, for me, I could not just live there. I could not 
I couldn't sustain the energy. The energy is so powerful. The only way I know how to describe it is, um, I mean, and even in thinking about it, it makes me cry. It just makes me cry, not tears of sadness, but kind of like the tears of when your baby is born or when you have some profound event in your life and you are just completely filled with love. And I, I can't, I could not, and I, and I continue to not be able to like just live in that state. I, I weave in and out of it um, even throughout the day, but I'm not put in hell now. It's not as extreme. And also knowing that I always have access to it. I always have access to it. But Jesus had said building our lives on the foundation so that we're not like a reed that is blown around by the wind. And this has such meaning for me. Is really, really being solid. Being solid and knowing that all sustenance, all nourishment, all everything in life comes from the base of the knowledge that we are loved beyond our ability to comprehend by that which created us. The world is such a beautiful place. This planet is so incredibly beautiful. And this idea that it's all actually true is that we create our reality. We create our reality through our thoughts. And to my knowledge, I believe Jesus said that as well. The disciples had come to him and said, we're casting out demons and we're doing all these things in your name. And he said, he said, don't think on that. Think on the, fa the fact that your name is written in the book of life. And so, and so the first thing that I did was I, I gave up everything that I believed in order to find any truth. And truth is actually incredibly strange. And then it was a process of, of allowing um, and then Abraham Hicks comes into this. Um, and Abraham Hicks is Abraham is a is an intelligence is a is some kind of aspect that is not human that is channeled by Esther Hicks. 
and I listen to her YouTubes quite a bit. I have never bought any of her books. I've never been to any of her seminars, but I have listened to such a degree, and it is my opinion that a lot of what she talks about are what Jesus talked about. She uses different terminology, but, and she talks about alignment, alignment with that which created worlds, which creates worlds, alignment with source, alignment with that which created everything. And she, and our lives is being either in alignment or not in alignment and it sort of makes sense to me and that we are the creators of our reality that we create our reality based on our beliefs and I think Wayne Dyer I'm referring to a lot of people today (laughs) I think Wade Dyer said something about if you knew how it ended, you wouldn't worry. It's sort of like that. It's like this. If we trusted, we would, in that, we were going to to have our desires fulfilled. If we trusted in that, if we really trusted in that we would just be happy in the excitement of knowing it's going to happen. Which is a blissful state, which is a heavenly state, which I don't believe that we have to die to experience. But I'm going to digress a bit here because what ends up happening to us is from a very young age, we believe everything is based on our, on our, on our behavior. It's like Santa is gonna put coal in your stocking if you if you misbehave. You know, everything is based on our actions, from our parents to our friends to everyone. It's based on this idea of good and bad. What is good and bad? It's all based on that, and so. What we don't understand is that everything is actually based on who we are. Who we actually are is based on our essence, not on what we do. And in fact, nothing is really based on what we do because what we do comes out of the essence of who we are. And if we are the essence of God, which is synonymous with love, then we are made of love. So one day I was I was thinking about it. I was because sometimes you know I'm a philosopher by nature, so I started to think about like horrible things like the Holocaust. And then it just sort of came to me that there, there is really never a complete absence of love, but there is degrees of love. 
there are degrees of love, degrees of acceptance of love, of living in love. You know, there are degrees. And so, and so the Holocaust was very, very small in the degree of love. Anyway, I'm sorry that I'm a little bit all over the place today. Um, these are the messages that I'm that I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to get out the message that the kingdom is here. The kingdom of God is here and ever present. And we can live into how we want our world to be collectively. If we collectively choose peace and accepting one another based on our cultures, based on our, if we could come to a place of understanding and acceptance, we could live our lives the way that we want to. do what we love to do, love the people that we love. Enjoy this life as as a process. And I'm going to go, but this is something that I want to talk about very briefly before I, I stop this, this podcast in this podcast. Is that it really is in the process. It's in the process. Like, like Thanksgiving, it comes around once a year. We get really excited about Thanksgiving because it's just a wonderful holiday. And we get to be with our family and our friends and eat a meal. And what do we do? So we decide who's going to host. And then the person who's hosting, you know, kind of, okay, so what, what are we going to put on the menu? And oh my gosh, so if you're like me, I'm looking through all my cookbooks. I want to find the best. I get my Martha Stewart Thanksgiving magazine. I'm looking through it. Oh my God, we could make this, this, and this. Oh, the pies we could make. The processes of learning how to make the pie. You know, then we, then we have to invite the people that are going to be there. And then we have to clean our house. Most of the time we clean to prepare for, for visitors to our home. We want, we want our house to look really nice. The table we pick out, we bring out our best china and our best silver and we must have candles and oh my God, the wine. How do we pair the, prepare, pair the wine with the, with the meal and what dessert, <laughs> which is always my favorite part. <laughs> and then, you know, the day draws near, we start to cook, you know, and then maybe some people stay in the kitchen with the cook and you sit there and you drink coffee and you laugh and you have a really good time, you know, and then everyone comes and you say grace and you thank God for everything you have and for each other and for this life and for abundance and for the food on the table and the home we live in and 
that we get to experience what we experience here on this planet. And then you sit down and you eat the meal with the people that you love. You enjoy it. You enjoy your meal. You talk. You laugh. You have a really good time. And then it's time to clean up. You know, you don't want your kitchen to look like this for the next year so somebody's got to clean it up and then you know pretty much by this time you're ready for everyone to leave you know except your immediate family (laughs) okay it's time (laughs) it's time to get on with it (laughs) until next year (laughs) it is the process And if we're not enjoying the process, then we're missing all of it and the whole point. And like in my case, what I'm what I'm realizing is because I I concern myself needlessly, <laughs> habitually needlessly in survival. In survival and money to sustain us and keep a roof over our head and um and it occupies a bit of my of my thoughts and my and my actions and the good part for me is I really like what I do um and it's the process of that I don't get up every day in drudgery to go to my work I really like it and so I'm I'm really I'm really really happy about that and there's this idea that once we once we make okay so like let me use my million people so say a million people buy my book a million people buy my book and my royalties you know or say a million dollars I get a dollar for every book still a million dollars and then and then I feel really happy about that. Wow, look at that. That is just so amazing. And then it's going to be the next million, the next 10 million, the next, you know, I call it the next mountain. You know, I'm climbing a mountain. I'm, I'm, I enjoy hiking and I, I hike this one mountain in town. I really habitually and I enjoy the process of doing it but there's always going to be another mountain you know I'm really excited to to hike the Grand Canyon I'd like to experience more than just that mountain it's the experience it is the journey it is the process it is in the doing the everyday doing caring caring for our homes caring for our families caring for ourselves, caring for each other, that life is heavenly. (laughs) And on that note, I'm going to go. I appreciate you listening to me. And that's a wrap.